Welcome. This is Why Life Is. I'm Miles McFlower. Tonight we have a timely show uh, dealing with some of the subjects that I have covered in the past, but uh, I'm putting more together and adding a few things. And that's solving the problem of violence in the United States. Uh, the shows I've done on this in recent years, because I've been doing shows on this for a long time, and I've also been teaching about it since the 80s. Now, the the big problem is that most of the causes, uh, most of the time, are hidden from what people believe it to be. Even if you think it's a mental health question, uh, that's not entirely true. I can speak with authority on that. Remember, I, well, you may know that I ran two different mental health institutes. I was in practice as a psychotherapist for a long time, and I saw a lot of people. But that's a long time ago, and of course now I'm involved in in quantum astrophysics and other stuff that's way different. I understand that, but I still have a feel for this particular area. And it isn't all mental health either. There's a lot of other factors. But the biggest issue is behind the mental health factor, the real cause of all violence, be it mental health or otherwise, is a promotion of evil. Now, you're not going to hear that probably from anybody running for president or whatever, or the president himself, but it's it's evil. And what does the evil seek? Well, it doesn't seek to just kill a few dozen people a year, although that's certainly one of the outcomes. Sometimes it could be as over a 100 people. But and it could be even up to a thousand people. But they they don't care about the, the 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 number of deaths per se. What they're trying to achieve is to use these fearful elements of dangerous people uh, to get us to give up our freedoms and enact laws that eventually will remove substantial levels of freedom for almost everybody. And, and I'm not talking about freedom for just people who may have mental health problems. I'm talking about freedom for everybody. Now, I've talked about this before, as I said, and I'll go over some of the solutions that I came up with before. I'll elaborate on them. But I'm going to keep coming back to the question of evil because that's the real cause and if you don't understand what evil is, there's no way to understand how to solve this problem. You can't solve it by saying, well, let's just uh, do a red flag. Well, always is like, you know, go out because somebody said someone might be crazy. Go out and take the crazy person, take all their guns away, and throw them in a mental hospital for a while or something like that. Or give them a hearing to see if they're mentally competent. <clears throat> That's not the issue. And it's a, it is a problem, and some people need help, but that's not the issue. The issue is that if they're possessed enough, possessed by evil, that's when they're going to kill people. And the possession does not have to have anything to do with mental health. There are possessed people all over the place that I wouldn't say have a mental health problem, I just call them brutes who want to go out and beat people up and kill them or do whatever else they can to torture or make their life terrible. 
And they are basically more found at the present time in the United States uh, on the Democratic side of the political spectrum. But it doesn't matter whether that's true at the present time or not. It's still evil is the bottom line. Now, you might say, well, then why does one party or the other party seek to have people do this? Are they evil in themselves? And the answer is some of them are. Not very many, luckily. The majority are just misguided and misunderstood, don't, don't understand. They, they don't have a, a, a clear enough consciousness to recognize the nature of the problem. Some of, There are some evil people. Yeah, sure, there's some evil people that are in Congress. Yes. No. Not, not even close to a majority. So I think, I think we have to define this whole thing based upon stemming it from the real cause. And then we could, we could talk about, and I will give direct answers of how to solve the problems for people who may have mental health problems and other people for various reasons, maybe violence. But again, the emphasis should be on eliminating the grounds for evil. And the first way is to ensure that any law that is enacted is, a, is applied to all states if you're going to make it a federal law and fits in with the Heller guidelines and other things about weaponry, uh, especially guns. And so if it doesn't do that, if it doesn't meet those standards, then it's unconstitutional. And that's another problem. The idea that you can even take guns away from a person who's mentally ill is not a constitutional reality. That's that's a that's a that that may not be a true statement. Uh, although I believe that the argument can be made that there are circumstances where people who are possessed, be they mentally ill or otherwise. We have not only a need to, but we have a right to take away those people's rights because they're abusing those rights to try to destroy the country and possibly the world in some more distant fashion. So that's how I, I see the circumstances, and I will give you a lot of facts tonight that should support what I'm saying, and things that we can do that are directly doable today and within the next five years can completely solve the problems that we have. But that doesn't mean that just because I say it here on the radio that it's going to ever happen. Uh, a, again, I started teaching most of what I'm talking about tonight Sometime in the mid to, well, around the mid-80s, to whatever I first remember. But, so it's been a long time. And I was more involved with mental health at that particular time. All right, so let's talk about the question in everybody's mind. Because the President of the United States has suggested he would sign a red flag bill, which we'll talk about in a minute. And he also said that he would consider uh, a change in uh, certain the the certain ways that people report 
the exchange or sale of guns, meaning that background checks may be required uh, in certain circumstances that uh, presently there's like loopholes. But I'm going to get to that too. That's a whole other section, but it still deals with the same thing. Evil has used and abused weapons, and they will continue to do so if we don't stop it. Okay, so let's talk about how a person gets possessed. Well, people get possessed if they are in a circumstance where they are unduly afraid, unduly angry. These are at really high levels now. Or if they have a structural element problem in one or more of their brains. Now, there's more than one brain because they have a multidimensional body, which is a different thing or it's presently understood. So you could have a problem in your astral brain, and a lot of people do. They go off to war, and they develop problems in their astral brain, and we recognize this as an illness today. It wasn't 50 or 100 years ago. Recognize it. And they, they get shell-shocked, we call it, back in the old days, and today they have other more fancy words for it. But it doesn't matter. It's caused by very loud noises and extreme stress, including the threat of their own life ending and watching the lives of many other people ending and then also killing people. Altogether, that puts enormous stress on a human being, and the stress can lead to a kind of breakdown, we'll call it. But it's long-lasting and can last a person's lifetime. Today, it's included in some of the parts of PTSD, but it's not, it's, I like the older definitions of it because it's, they're more clear about it. <clears throat> and people that have this have it usually in their astral brain, there's damage. The astral brain, you can't take a picture of it. You're not going to be able to <laughs> operate on it. You know. So you got a lot of problems just in the fact that you're not even dealing with a part of the body that the majority of people believe exists. But we have to if we're going to solve these problems, so I'm going to talk about it. If you want to solve a problem in the astral brain that comes back from a prior life particularly, most cases it happens in, in that life, and then it, when they reincarnate, it can come back even as bad or worse, depending upon what they're life was like in the astral world after the physical death. So it can get pretty weird. And our best way of achieving a, a cure or, or uh, at least some solution is to treat it as a real ailment in the astral brain instead of talking about it in terms of just feelings. Oh, uh, well, they just can't deal with these feelings of themselves. That's not a good thing. What's really happening in the astral brain is that parts of it become disconnected from the person's control and they're connected to a thing called giant glamours. But these glamours are desires that are heaped with very, very strong emotions. 
the emotions sometimes are hatred or anger. Sometimes they're just vast amounts of fear, overwhelming amounts of fear. And when it gets bound together that way, uh, the solution for it is you've got to break through this problem. And autism is another branch of the same kind of illness. It's a, but it does it works from a different perspective. It isn't necessarily caused by war, but it is still a serious problem. And there are very many people that are autistic. Now, some of those people are victims of war from a prior lifetime. And they come back in this lifetime, and they just generally develop autism. Now, how do you solve the autism, the whole thing? Well, the first thing is the person has to have a sense of uh, being somewhat controlled and in control at the same time. And you can use the physical body as a beginning point for this. This has been actually discovered for some time, but not they didn't know why it works. So if you can find a person, you, know, you wrap them up in a bunch of sheets or something, so they can barely move, but they're not they're not hampered from breathing or anything. And at the same time, you speak to them about what it is that they can't verbalize in their feelings, but you verbalize it for them. While you're really feeling extremely frightened, you feel like the world's coming in to get you, and there's some terrible things you believe you've done, you feel so guilty for it. I got it. I hear your mind telling you this. Now remember, they have to be very confined when you do this because otherwise their feelings are so powerful they can't even hear you, much less uh, do anything that you might say. So the odd thing about it is this confinement physically leads to an astral confinement that then you can deal with the person. And you, it works just as well on animals as it does on people. It's extremely effective. And you can use this method on someone who is dangerous. Because even autistic people could be very dangerous under some circumstances. So you can reduce the danger from, from its use. But it doesn't, as a curative level, what you're really trying to do is disrupt a uncontrolled astral body that's directed by things called glamours, which are just fixed desires that they can't see through, they can't change, they just control, it controls them, these desires. Control. But now we're going to give them control over the desires. That's the treatment modality that's used. And for someone who wants to kill people, particularly, in most cases, they have an astral body deformity problem of this nature, and you can treat it with what I just said. It's fairly effective. Now, what about mental therapies? Not too effective on this, the nature of this particular kind of problem. What about more physical therapies? Yes, some of those can be used. Uh, the old story that if you throw somebody in the lake, they'll swim out. Uh, usually, if they drown, but usually. Uh, so you could do some things physically. But, and obviously, there is a physical component when you're doing the astral situation.
but it's still like 90% astral, 10% physical. That's like what's really going on. Now, that's a treatment method. What else can be used? Well, drugs work. Some drugs are effective at reducing the level of violence uh, without completely knocking a person out. Other drugs completely knock the person out, and then it's, it's kind of doesn't really do much good because it doesn't change anything. As soon as the drug wears off, they're just as dangerous or not more so than they were before. So it isn't like the drug is a cure. Those kinds of drugs. But the kinds of drugs I'm talking about, there are some curative ones that work fairly well. There's a newer neuroleptics, they call them. Very new. And some of them are not purely neuroleptic anymore. They have other components to them, or they combine drugs. Okay. So we have treatment methods. That's wonderful. What about diagnosis? Well, the best diagnosis is just coming online. It's not really available yet. It's being tested. It's an MRI that uh, is able to trace the astral brain effects in the physical brain. Now, they don't have an MRI that can look into the astral brain. That is going to take several decades or longer before it will come about, if ever. And so we have to rely upon an approximation. And it doesn't give you 100%, but it's way better than just using testing. Uh, because tests have the color of the tester problem, and they don't always define accurately what's going on in a person. And if you're talking about life and death issues, or a person might go out and kill somebody, you don't want to rely upon a test that's 75, 85% right. Well, okay, they're only going to kill people 15% of the time. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, that does not make any sense. There are ways to get close by using what is known as a non-projective battery. That's probably two tests. And then... Uh, a projective battery of at least two tests, but on the projective, projective means where somebody looks at a card, you know, like the Rorschach, and tells you what they think they see. That should be given by two or three people, independent of each other, and see if they, at least two out of three of them, come up with the same results, because projective tests are so hard to evaluate correctly. <clears throat> and non-projective tests are not very effective. So you've got to combine all these things if you're going to do that. It takes a whole day to do it. It's not cheap. And as far as a red flag law is concerned, before a person should be required to take these tests, the person who's reporting it needs at least to take a lie detector test. Now, lie detector tests are not 100% accurate. They're maybe 90 to 95% accurate. But that's better than nothing. I would go with that until we have an MRI they can take, and then that'll be up in the 99.8% or 99.9%. That's maybe three to five years in the future. So for right now, if you're going to do the red flag, test the person who is the accuser that says that person is going to kill somebody because I know them. I've seen them act out. I know what they're like. Well, you ask them some questions and see if they... If they're being truthful, 
just because they think they're being truthful doesn't mean they're telling the truth, but at least it's a good place to start. <laughs> right? Then you spend the time looking at the other person. Okay, we'll spend time with that. That's a lot of money. Uh, but well worth it if it turns out that you can stop someone from becoming a killer. Okay, and, and prevent people from dying. So that's an effective combination if you combine those together. You cannot have red flag laws where you don't test the person who is the person who is the complainer about the other because that person may have an agenda that may be subconscious to them. They may not realize that they're making up stuff. They may be. Or they might be exaggerating. So that's why you need to do that. Now, it isn't that hard to do. The expense is fairly, it's, it's, it's in the th uh, low thousands for the whole procedure. That I'm talking about. But you, you, you're probably not going to have more than several hundred of these done a year. You could get up to maybe a thousand, but it's still worth it for that much. But here's the point I want to make, that if you're going to do that, you have to require that it be done equally in all jurisdictions under federal law and carried out exactly the same. I believe very strongly in states' rights, but this is an area where you can't allow California, as an example, to say, well, we're just going to trust anybody that walks in the door, <laughs> and you're going to have, you know, a million people a year claiming that everybody that they've ever seen with a gun is about to kill them or kill somebody. That's the sort of thing that could happen in a state like California. So you have to avert that by making this, unfortunately, a federalized mandate. Now, I say unfortunate because that's more power to the federal government, less to the states, at least in this one issue. But you can't trust some states to carry out a fair and balanced plan. What about, okay, the weaponry issue? What about, well, they shouldn't have so many cartridges in the gun and they kind of, and, you know, they, can, they shouldn't be semi automatic. They should be one, you, know, you got to do something every time you fire. Well, that's just not reality because most people choose. If they're using a weapon for protection, they have something that works semi-automatically. And they want more than a few rounds because most people are not a good shot. <laughs> it's the truth. And they may miss <laughs> more often than they hit something. And if they only have five or ten shots, there's a good chance they won't hit anything. So I, I'm just letting you know that's, that's the reality of the situation. And even if you require that people become good shots, if you limit the number of rounds, and especially the amount of rounds they can fire within a certain period of time by the, the construction of the weapon, the result becomes a craziness because it encourages the criminals to get the more advanced guns. And that produces an even worse situation. I'm not talking about mentally ill people now. I'm talking about criminals. And so the criminals say, hey, great, let's all go to California. 
because they've taken all the guns away from the people that might shoot us, and they've given them useless weapons and will get all the illegal, which is easy to get our hands on, guns that will, you know, give us the advantage. So that's a really, really bad outcome. Not a good one at all. All right. So we obviously don't want to go down that road, but unfortunately that's what's happened to us. Uh, about a quarter to a third of the states already limit weaponry uh, and on a scale that is life-threatening for the people who are trying to defend themselves. That's not good. So the only people with the really effective weapons are the criminals and the crazy people. <laughs> That's a good outcome. <laughs> I'm being facetious, of course. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I, I, and I'm using these examples so that people can straight up understand that in most cases, laws do not solve the problem that we're trying to deal with. Okay. So how else can we solve the problem of violence? Well, the red flag law, I think I've covered that fairly well. I, I believe a, a sp very specific limited red flag law, based upon everything that I just explained, could be implemented, but not the kind that the Congress, especially the House of Representatives, would want to pass. So we have a problem. All right. At any rate. Getting to the next <laughs> step in solving the problem. Uh, where do we, how do we solve the problem of the evil taking people over? And the answer is that if you're going to have uh, weapons available, which I suggest that we do, that some people should be encouraged in volatile circumstances to have access to weapons. And uh, this would be teachers, possibly, in some school systems, uh, certainly administration people in the school systems, people who are safety guards, etc. But the most important thing is the kind of weapon that they need uh, should be the following. I'm going to give you an example. And it doesn't have to be exactly this weapon. I'm just trying to give you an example, and then I'm going to use that example to explain why you want to have that. Let's take a the, one of the most common caliber um, semi-automatic handguns, which is a 40 caliber today. It's the FBI that made that gun famous, but that caliber famous too. That was uh, 30 years ago. They did take they adopted it as being their standard issue. And before that, they were using other weapons that were either not as effective or that were harder to use. Now, what's the good thing about it? Well, it holds a lot of cartridges. If you get one that does that, you can get like 15, in some cases, over 20 rounds uh, because the casing is only a 40 caliber instead of a 45 or 40, you know, what? It, it's, it's a little slightly smaller, but it's not a 38. Well, what's wrong with a 38? Well, 38s tend to be ineffective. They don't have the stopping power, and their uh, their accuracy in weapon use has been has been 
discovered to be less than the 40 Kelvin. And they don't penetrate further. You know, it's kind of good for In most guns. You can make one that does, but yeah, most people don't have this. But that used to be the old standard. You know, 38 special there. Uh, not so much anymore. All right, so the 40 caliber. Let's go back. What do you want with that? My suggestion, this comes from a much earlier show, and in a show later I did it on this. Uh, the first 12 rounds, you encourage people to put in uh, very small, small, uh, BB or size or smaller, we'll call it pellets grain, that you would use like in a, in a bird shotgun. Now, why would you want to use it? Well, it's because they don't go very far. They're not, they're not good for more than, say, 50 to 100 feet, unless you're using them in a shotgun. And if they're in a handgun, it's probably 35, 40 feet is their, their, their effective distance. And they're, unless you fire like five or six rounds into the same person at the same time, uh, they are not usually fatal. They can wound people, but they're not fatal. They can cause blindness because they're getting somebody in the eye, but they're still not fatal. That's a good thing. So if the first 12 rounds out of, say, 15 to 20 are non-lethal rounds, i go for that. Go for that in a second. And I might even say, why not make the first three or four or five rounds not have any pellets in them all, but they just shoot a, uh, a chemical, and these are available, that uh, uh, it causes a person to become ill and to not feel like uh, attacking anyone anymore. There are other methods than a gun to use that same thing. But I'm using this as an example that one gun could do all. And then the last few rounds are fatal ones. Because if you haven't stopped the person after you fire, fired all those other rounds, <laughs> I guess it's time to go big time at that point and now you've got fatal rounds in there but not as the first line of defense and the purpose of this is to try to stop a person who's either insane or criminally crazy or whatever you want to call it from continuing to be able to shoot and believe it or not if you get shot with a bunch of pellets almost immediately your body reacts um, in a way in which your ability to aim, focus and aim and shoot a firearm is very, very reduced. Even though the, you may hold on to your gun, even though you haven't dropped the gun, your ability to use it becomes tremendously reduced. Then if you're hit with one of these chemical rounds, you, you'll be on the floor for half an hour or 40 minutes having trouble breathing and it'll be terrible and your eyes will water so. And so that's even another effective tool that could be used. All in one weapon. Wow. And who's carrying this? It could be teachers. It could be administrators. It could be, uh, you know, safety guards or just anybody. It could be a janitor. Anybody in school. Or anybody in a store. Or some other place where these crimes are taking place. All right. Now. What other kind of weapons can you use? Well, you don't have to use a gun at all. You can get you can get weapons that uh, does the pretty much the same thing. It shoots about uh, 20, 25 feet, and it uh, it disables people with the same kind of chemistry. 
let's say you want to knock them down, though, and you don't want to rely on chemistry, well, then you can use a taser. Tasers are available. They're generally more expensive, a little harder to use, and they don't go as quite as far. The really range is more like a 20-foot range, and that's only the better ones. So they're not my first choice, but that might be another option. So all these things are available to stop a potential shooter. And you might ask yourself, well, why in the heck aren't they using those things? I don't know. I've been teaching about this since the 80s. Same stuff, same weapons, same ideas. Some of them have been improved upon. But same ideas. <laughs> Not much change. Okay. Except we're getting closer now with the MRI thing. That's, 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 I talked about it back in the early 90s, but I knew we were 20 years off of it. Okay, so now, what else? Uh, well, there needs to be uh, some pretty severe ramifications for people who act violently and aren't crazy. They just act violently. We've got these people running around, mostly from the far left side of things, politically speaking, who Antifa, whatever they call themselves, and they're trying to just bully people and but harm them, hit them with bricks, cement, whatever they can get their hands on, and use clubs and other things. In those situations, I would use exactly the same weapons I just described on the part of those people who are being attacked. The same idea applies. I don't care if they're Antifa, Shmifa, whatever they want to call themselves. They just shoot them with one of the pellet things and they'll be stopped. If if they're wearing a bulletproof vest, some of them have been seen doing that. Uh, that's, then you spray them. They, the first round, you spray them with the stuff that gets in, even goes through, uh, through their face and goes right into their system. And they'll be just on the ground for half an hour to an hour, and the police can come by and just pick them up and take them to jail. I mean, you know, because they won't be able to get away. Um, and in terms of a reasonable level of force returned to these Antifa people, I believe whatever it takes to prevent them from causing any harm to anyone, including someone other than yourself, is a reasonable use of force. So you certainly can defend a bunch of other people, even though they're not attacking you directly. If they're attacking the person next to you or in front of you or in back of you, you can still use the force. That's that's how the, I would write the law about this. Okay. Now, what about... Uh, the real possibility that there's a real white, whatever they call them, crazy people that are out marching around with weapons and threatening people. Well, first of all, that kind of stopped in the 70s. But even if it were to happen today, the same thing applies. I don't, I don't have anything. White, green, blue, I don't care what they are. I don't care what their political beliefs are. If they want to do violence, you stop them. And you arrest them. And anyone who is violent 
should be arrested on the maximum potential damage they could have done, not arrested on what they did do. Now, how do you perceive that in constitutional terms? Well, a crime is not just the physical action. It's the effect on the life of that person and the lives of many other people. And if you collectively look at that, you can claim that the crime is serious, even if only one person is attacked that way out of 100. And if they attack, they they have a brick, but they don't use the brick. Instead, they they throw stones at you. But if they have the brick with them, I would treat it as though they were going to or had the potential intention to use it and they be charged with the higher crime. Unless they can prove otherwise that, well, no, the brick is definitely, you know, it's, it's what I use to, you know, keep my clothes on or something. I mean, it'd have to be something that they could really prove. So that's my thought process in that light. Now, granted, we're talking about federalization of these laws. Why, again? Well, because the states won't equally apply these, and we know that in some states, they'll will have a backlash, and they'll still go after the people <laughs> who should be protected. So the only way you can really make this work, if you're going to have any laws at all about it that are federal, is that they have to be federally administered. And that's a real hard problem. I don't like it, but believe it or not, it's sort of like a comeuppance that uh, you're going to have a situation where the left who wants to always take all of the rights away from people and have the government control people, now it's going to be on the opposite side. Maybe it'll teach them something. Maybe it'll give them some reason to pause. That could have some benefits. What else can we do? Well, the future is really where the easiest part of this is solved. I'm giving you answers in today's world. But what's coming in the future are more defensive weapons that are more specific and easier to control and less overall danger to even the person you're using them with. Weapons that will cause people to literally be frozen in their tracks, but not in any way be intruded upon in their breathing or nothing. They just can't move. Now you could say, well, how do you do that? Well, it, it, it follows the principle, energy follows thought greater than its own. But that's a really hard thing to understand from what I just said. I'm too afraid at this point, really, to tell you a lot about some of these ideas because I don't want anybody making them quite yet because we're not there. We don't have the right laws to use weapons like that. And they are they're great for stopping the things that we're talking about, but they could be used in many other ways to control whole, whole millions of people at one time. So I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I know how to do it. I'm not going to tell you. So we, we, this is coming, though. Even with my regrets and everything I just said, within 20 years, 25 years, it's going to be here. And 
there's nothing that will stop it once it gets to that point that I'm talking about. And uh, then what I just said won't matter because it's too late. It'll, it'll just be there. Now, are there at the present time any other things that the president, Congress can do that would be uh, an additional help to the present violence issue? And the answer is yes. The answer is someone needs to stand up, and I don't know who is going to do this other than me, and say, we have an evil issue. It's evil. Let's talk about it in terms of evil and think of it in terms of evil and start talking about evil being taking away freedom. That's what evil is. It uses all kinds of nefarious methods to do that. And it stays hidden itself to achieve its goal. So if we unhide evil and show it for what it's really doing and what it is, it becomes pretty much unable to act in the ways it has. And that's a good thing. Now, I don't know who's going to do this other than someone like me because I don't know who even believes it. And if they believe it, I don't know if they've got the fortitude and the gumption to get up and talk about it. But, you know. And you've got to obviously talk about God. If you're talking about evil, you got to talk about God. So if we're really talking about God, which I would prefer, then the answer is to go back to the Constitution as it says, and that the authority of everything that's taking place is not through the Congress, the President, etc., but the ultimate authority is from God, and we will examine what we think God is and how God would want the right outcome. Now, that is a very advanced, far into the future, seemingly, way of thinking. Can we get there in this country? Well, this is the only country presently on Earth that might get there. And if we're going to get there, we'll get there within 50 years or so. If we don't get there within 50 years, there's a good chance we won't be here another 100 years from then. Because evil will take over the world and that so somewhere down the near future line, you got to start talking about God. And even if you don't believe in God, we've got to still talk about it. And for the people who are believers, we've got to enlist their aid in the enactment of laws that support what we think God is and what evil is. Because you can't believe in evil until you really understand God. And that's a real problem. So the people that claim to be atheists are probably going to be the worst contenders for working on a plan of solving the violence in the country because what they're going to seek is power and control over others, but they will not solve the problem. They will make it worse in many ways. One of them being they'll take all the freedoms away from people. But that's just the beginning of the story. Now, I mentioned Heller. That, that's a, a ruling that certain guns are considered normal guns that people can hold. And that includes semi-automatic weapons. And 
And the appearance of the gun or the number of rounds that it fires is, according to some elements of Heller, not distinguishable to the point that you can ban those weapons. Now, the rulings are inconsistent in some respects and yet to be fully worked on. But our present president is putting people on the Supreme Court who have a viewpoint that is heller plus. <laughs> and so if it goes in that direction and he stays in office, we'll see uh, a more active Supreme Court to back up the things that I'm talking about today. So they can happen. And that's a good thing. And I hope to see that. Now, let's say individual choice here right now. If you live in a state where you do not feel safe, I would suggest that you do everything you can to change the laws in your state. And within a reasonable period of time, by your estimation, that you can't do it, leave and come to a state that you believe gives you those rights. And I'm not saying that everybody should leave. I'm saying only the people who find it inconsistent with who and what they are. To me, the right to own a gun is the right for self-protection first. Uh, the idea of target shooting, hunting, these are, to me, very secondary and not even in the same ballpark of issues. But self-protection is a very important element. And if you don't have the right to protect yourself, it's almost certain that nobody else is going to exercise it well enough to keep you healthy, wealthy, and well. So you're going to lose someone. Someone's going to take all your money. They're going to take your, your possession. They're going to take your health, or they're going to kill you. And that's the bad part of it. And if you believe in that, and that's where you're coming from, come to another state, go to another state. Uh, and in a way, it's kind of like voting with your feet. I understand the idea. Uh, there'll be less people counted in the census, and that will reduce the sum of the representatives that the states might have that do that. They try to make up for it with illegals. And that's got to go away, too, because that's all illegal. <laughs> you know, People that aren't even in the country legally, certainly, you can't count their vote. <laughs> that's like crazy, right? But that's what they're doing. Okay. So we got to stop that. That's just, it's just plain illegal. I, mean, I don't know how to make it any other way. It's obviously, you know, some states are trying to get away with it. It's mostly in the West, but it's happened in the West. Now, if you live in the eastern part of the country, those states have some very stringent laws about gun ownership, and most of those laws are unconstitutional. That's where Heller was really tested, was in the eastern part, eastern part of the country. And so what, what you're really going to find is that those places are going to probably end up with a lot of backlash and eventually court cases turning over and so on. It's too bad. Uh, but again, if we enact federal laws that are the same everywhere, that are along the lines that I've suggested, 
suggested. We could solve the problem of those states, particularly in the in the East, that are so overly controlling. But they're not all in the East. I mean, <laughs> if you live in Illinois, particularly if you live in Chicago, guns are outlawed to an incredible level, and Chicago has one of the highest death rates of any city in the world. I mean, it's one of the most dangerous places. You're, you're safer going going to to you know into into Iraq or, or, or fighting a war someplace else. I mean, it's actually that dangerous thing. I'm from that. fact, I was born there, and it's a terrible place. Uh, when I was five years old, I said, "I gotta get out of here. Everybody's crazy." And this place is controlled by crazy people who are also criminals. So I decided when I was five, I would leave. Uh, took a while, but I got out. All right. So anyway, those places can be dealt with at least immediately, in, in the sense that a lot of people could just leave. You know, and if you really are, have the ability to do so, I would recommend it. Because, believe it or not, when a lot of people leave, uh, the power uh, institutions start falling apart. They need the tax base. They need people there. And if everybody leaves, well, <laughs> they're not going to be having a job much longer. Well, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and uh, take a uh, brief break. I give my voice a rest here, too. And uh, we'll come back, and when we come back, I'll talk about some other parts of tonight's problem of violence and solutions, hopefully, that you'll, I hope you'll find interesting. We'll be, we'll be back in about two and a half minutes from right now. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hun, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book 
Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the wise, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's hidden meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart. life is. I'm Niles McFlower. Uh, I want to talk about now uh, a little bit into the future, but not much, um, of how to further solve the problem of violence. Now, th- I, again, I, this is in the United States, but now this is more of a worldwide answer than just, it doesn't have to be just the United States that we're going to be talking about right now. And the other part of this equation is how does it, how is it that evil is able to control humans so effectively? Because, I mean, they they do control some animals to some extent. They actually possess some animals. But they don't, it isn't like the, the major part of their, their emphasis. They're really after humans. Okay. Because that's where they get the rest of the new members from, <laughs> of the, it's called a sphere. All right. So how how does that happen? What are they What are they doing? Well, as I described in the beginning of the show, it's just, it's, they're they're working with issues in the brains, uh, including the astral brain. But there's an interesting factor that um, I didn't deal with, and that is that in the monastic or mental brain, there's a part of the mental brain that, unlike the relatively simplistic brains <laughs> of the etheric physical body and the astral body. The mental brain is much more complicated. And you have a subconscious part called the personality, and you have a conscious part called the self. And all these different parts have to work together. So, there is a way to usurp it's a good word. I like it. <laughs> uh, violence that has been introduced through possessions uh, by evil beings. And the way to usurp it is to convert the violence into what we'll call a kind of equation almost. Uh, of mental values, mental values. Now, how do you do that? Well, you do that by what is known as a search for truth. And how could you make this work in terms of getting rid of violence, not just in the United States, but violence throughout the world? Well, you have to start fairly early, and it has to be part of the training of children. <laughs> 
And you could say, wait a second, children? I thought children don't work on the mental body brain until they're in their 20s. It's somewhat true, at least in terms of full development. If you read Life's Meaning, you'll notice that I say full development. But here's the way you can use that part early, very early, by going literally into the uh, monastic part of the brain. And there's equipment that can be built to do this in the physical world. I know that sounds impossible, but it's true. And uh, it can be used right in the physical world. You're going to have to do it for the electromagnetic part that is in the etheric band. So it would not be, it wouldn't be in the dense physical. You'd have to build this equipment and work it from the etheric, but that's much more practical than trying to make it work from the mental world. Okay, and what do you do? How do you, how do you get it to operate? Well, you want to get it to communicate, if you we can call it that, with these parts of a human being's uh, mental body. And the areas that you need to communicate with are certain types of energies that are responsive to certain signaling that can be introduced while you're physically alive and that will transfer over to the monastic part of the brain. Uh, you may remember I did some shows and talked about how you can treat various ailments in the physical body through reprogramming using biofeedback. And there, there's a system that's extremely effective for regaining the use of paralyzed limbs and you name it, all kinds of stuff. Now, that same technology taken to a slightly different way and level could be used to uh, communicate with the mental brain, even in a very young person, this could be done. And so you could use it even on young children, you can use it on adolescents, and you certainly can use it on adults. So it's a full spectrum thing. And its use would have to be very carefully controlled and licensed because this could be used to literally, if on an evil side, try to control people. Uh, it wouldn't be very effective in going against people who don't want to be controlled by evil. So. But people who are on the edge, they might try to use this kind of equipment for that, so you've got to have safeguards. And there are safeguards. I can't tell you about them because I would reveal too much about the invention itself, which I don't want to tell you about until it's absolutely necessary, which might be another decade or two from now. Okay, but let's talk about it in general terms. So what can you do? Then? What is it that I'm talking about? I'm saying you can communicate with the personality, which is a subconscious part of us. So we don't normally know what it's thinking, doing, etc. And we can ask the personality to join with the self about problems of violence. And you find a truthful answer for the person of why they don't have to be violent. Not, not forcing them to change, 
but getting them to equate the results of this inner test, we'll call it, created by machinery to some extent. Yes, there are computers, which would have to be evaluated. And the result would be that the person would, in their own maniacic mental mind, work the problem out for themselves. And the problem would be the truth about violence. That's really what we're solving. It's called the truth about violence. And the truth about violence is that violence is a form of evil. It's a method of trying to control others for your own selfish benefit of some sort. And it is as unloving as just about anything you can do in most circumstances. It's a terrible thing, and it's evil. Now, you put it all together, and if you use this equipment that I'm talking about, which is sort of like a superposition computer and other things that I have mentioned, and I know I mentioned it on the show, but I haven't told you how to build on it, have I? <laughs> Not yet. Okay, so what happens now is you can work this from here. We can, we can use a computer and the other things I'm talking about right here, this machinery. But it will communicate with a mental brain. And therefore, the personality itself along with the self. Now, that's still not getting to the soul. I can't get us there. I can only get us to an understanding of, we'll call it, uh, logical truth. But can't get beyond logical truth. Beyond logical truth, you jump into the reality of the soul, which is much higher, much higher stuff. This, but that you can't do with the machine. I'm talking. About. It won't. It wouldn't. Wouldn't solve that problem. Now, once you enact this machine, and again, eh, about twenty years, okay, give or take. Uh, and you allow people to use it very carefully. It has to be guarded. And you don't really tell them how they can fiddle with it. You say, if you want to use it, we will let you do that. They can solve the problem in a day or two. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying like eight hours in two, one or two eight-hour days. They should be able to completely solve this problem of violence from a position of solution that uh, takes the violence completely away from a subconscious place into a full conscious place and then gets the violence changed into a form, a limited form of love. The love will not be the kind of love of a soul, but it will be the love of like a parent or a child, things that are common denominator love things that we're used to. And once you see other people as your children or as your best friend or as just somebody who needs your help, the violence will be gone. And I'm, no, I'm jumping around on this, and I'm 
definitely leaving stuff out because I don't want you to know about it. It could be reversed. And I sure as heck don't want people being made into evil beings from something I talked about on the radio. So we'll wait for that. But here's the point. If this really can happen, and I really could make one of these in a very short time, but I won't until the time is ripe, then it could be a worldwide used device. It doesn't, it's no longer just about the United States. It, its use would be regulated, of course, but regulated by only people who seek to do good. And how do you know that they're doing good? Because the machine itself will tell you. And the machine can be designed so that only people could even turn it on that have the right values and the right thinking. You like that idea? I do. Yeah. It could be designed that way. Unfortunately, even that isn't enough of a safety factor for me to tell you about it. Because I don't know that someone would actually put it in there just because you could do it. And I'm not sure that it would really work that way. So I'd be afraid to tell you until we have a lot more, 20 years maybe, of developing things like this sort of stuff. And then we'll know better, right? But this will change a lot of things. Also, it'll be impossible to tell an untruth. You will not be able to lie. Now, I've already talked about some of this. You know that if you listen to show. So you won't be able to lie. Okay. What's a world without liars? <laughs> it's coming. You're going to find out. But when you can't lie anymore, and people only tell the truth to not only themselves, but to other people if they choose to communicate, uh, the world is going to obviously change. It's a way of driving evil off the planet, which is, of course, something I'm very in favor of. But it's a bigger picture than that. It's certainly a good outcome, but it's not the only outcome. What happens is when people live a life of truth and they search for, and particularly if they can bring it to the higher robot, the results are that you have love wisdom developed, loving wisdom developed as a state of beings for the majority of people on Earth. Now, that's a huge change from where we are today. Could it be done in 40 years? Maybe. Could it be done in 60 years? Almost certainly. Will it be done in 60 years? I don't know. Because if evil wins, it's never going to allow this thing to ever get to that point. It'll abort it for sure and destroy it and if anything use whatever can of it to destruct the world so that's our problem but let's say evil can't accomplish that or is thwarted in that this is a pretty darn good idea you know now you can say well are you really talking about joining then the different elements of time and space like you talk about life admitting and, and the answer is yes and are we using a helpful mechanism? Sure. You can do it all with just your own consciousness, but there's no reason that humanity 
has to be pure without using any kind of invention or anything. You know, that's ridiculous. We don't we, we rely upon a lot of things that are not inside of us, you know, that we use. There are helpful things. This is another one of those potentially helpful things. It's very good. Yes, it gets into quantum computing. There's no question about that. You can have to use these are real for real quantum computers of the future. But it's not, it's not that big of a deal because we're almost there anyway. So it isn't like it's a, the kind of jump from 1988 when I taught about this maybe or in 89. It's not that kind of jump anymore. We're, we're much, much closer to this becoming a, a, a reality. How fast could the world change? I think it would take a decade or two. We could drive evil off of the world with this type of methodology. We're doing other things besides that, because we're not betting everything on the one element. But we're doing many, many things to try to drive evil off of Earth and to prevent it from taking over Earth. So this obviously is a worldwide situation. We're not talking about the United States alone anymore. The United States could be a good example of its use in other things, but it would not be by any stretch, the only place this sort of thing would be available and used. Okay. Well, that sounds very promising. <laughs> you know, and you, and some people say, well, let's do it today. Why Why aren't you letting it? Because the danger, the odds are, and I'm going to tell you the truth, the odds are that evil will win, not lose, if we had it available today. That's how bad things are. Particularly here in the United States, believe it or not. So I would be very concerned about that. But we're not there anyway. But even if we were, I would not be in favor of this. Now, as I've told you, there are new elements about to be discovered that's in the corona of the sun. About a hundred of them, a lot of new elements. Now, these elements are, resemble some of the older, younger versions of them, but they're considerably different because, as an example, uh, Electrons may share, uh, from multiple atoms, may share a single, uh, a single nucleus, and uh, that changes the whole properties of the material. It also functions at a lot higher temperatures. Anyway, those are that's happening as I speak. They're examining the sun, and they're going to find this out, and it's going to change a lot of things in astrophysics, but. It's also going to change the reality of how you can create things. So these added, we'll call them elements, there's a few of them that would work exceptionally well in the way that I'm describing for uh, eliminating violence from Earth and evil from Earth, simultaneously almost. And it could be done because the power of the elements that I, we're talking about now are like Star Trek type stuff that's way, way more powerful than anything we have. And you could say, well, power is dangerous, isn't it? That evil uses power to control it. Well, actually, what it does is it alleviates starvation. It gets rid of almost all of the uh, bad consequences presently existing on Earth due to dark side. 
And when the dark side doesn't have all those bad things, it can't survive. So, you know, we'll grow a lot more food. We'll be able to solve any kind of weather problem almost within a few years. All the things that we presently seem to pay a lot of attention to will become non-existent problems. We also be able to travel pretty far uh, in terms of what we consider distances, and we probably will get to meet some other human-like beings. So, and they may be more advanced than us, but that's okay. But all of this is coming, and it's coming more quickly than you might realize because of the discovery of these elements also plays into this equipment about dealing with violence. And uh, you can make it much, 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 much smaller and easier to use. You can carry it. You know, maybe you'll carry one in your hip pocket or something. It'll be that small. And what we call quantum computing will be a different scale completely and extremely small in comparison to what we think of today, but also to a scale of power beyond our imagination, you know, maybe a base 12 or something. And you say, well, a base 12 or a base 2 right now, everybody's having troubles over that one. Yeah, a base 12 because we're going to be dealing with levels of power that require you know, into the multiple terawatt and terawatt and terawatt and whatever. It is going to be way out there. So that the things that we're going to be dealing with are going to be very far advanced from where we are today. And today, what I'm talking about is not that far into our future. Certainly in the next few decades, we're going to see these kinds of changes starting to take place. Now, to, just to, well, to me, these are all good things. I don't consider them terrible. I don't think that humans are going to destroy the earth because we have more power. I think humans would destroy the earth because they want to control others, not about having power over, we'll say, time and space. That's a different issue. And that's what we're moving towards, power over time and space. Because what we think of as time and space is the, the inclusion of our own problems that produces what we perceive to be time and space. It doesn't exist the way we think of it, but it the illusion that we react to. Okay, and it seems that every star has some of these elements. And some of the more advanced stars has have elements that we don't even have here yet. So now we're talking about a whole change in so many different ways. And when we go to some of these other stars that are more advanced, that are in the third development period, we're going to discover even more things than we ever dreamt of that will lead us into the intuitional world and beyond. And that's something pretty amazing and something that certainly would help to eclipse this problem of violence. 
The other reason violence will diminish, based upon everything I've just said, is there will be virtually no starvation, no, uh, we'll say, people living in squalor, unless that's a choice, of course, but nobody that actually is in some way destitute due to a lack of resources. Because the resources are going to be so abundant and in so in such profoundly greater kinds of ways than what we're used to today, that nobody could even be close to being, even close to being really poor or deficient in the ability to have shelter or food or whatever. I mean, those kinds of things are just going to absolutely go away. And that's a good thing. I think everybody would agree on that. Uh, are there going to be disagreements still? Sure, if people disagree. And if we don't resolve the problems about the national aspects of the way we tend to uh, want government to control, then we could have problems. But I think that, that will be, there will be a natural ending to those things. As people gain more and more freedoms because they have more and more of everything. And they don't have to be worried about whether they got food on the table or anything like that. They will be much more concerned about violence, of course, but they'll also be much more concerned about freedom. And the seeking of freedom may very well, if we can eliminate most of the evil in this world, become the single most valuable commodity. People will seek to be free. Of not freedom meaning that you can do anything you want, but freedom from other people from doing what they want when they want to you. And so we can see that the world I'm talking about, which is coming on as fast, is going to eventually get rid of the problems of violence. Or it'll succumb to those problems and will not last maybe any more than 150 years from now. Which is a terrible outcome. The loss of Earth is a very bad thing because Earth is was a grand experiment to see if we could accelerate the development of human beings to the point where they could overcome evil before it destroyed them. That's the experiment. So far, we have failed because we've lost a whole civilization called Atlantis. It all was destroyed and turned evil. But we're right there again. We're, it's it's like the last days of Atlantis right now. We're, we're very, very close in many respects. Some of the same people, same people on both sides are around today. And a lot of them are right here in the good old USA. And right through, well, what brought them here? Well, because the United States is the experiment to determine if people can choose freedom as their way of connecting to God. And 
being fully aware of it through God. Uh, I don't know that's going to happen. Certainly some people are there, but there's more, maybe, than half of the country right now that aren't there. So it's a big problem. It's a grave concern to, to think about that. Does that mean you have to have a religion? No. It just means that you have to find that God exists. Because if you don't, the United States was based upon that premise. How long can a country exist based upon a premise that the people have given up? Beyond the majority. Very short time. Less than a generation. That's what we're facing. That's what tonight's show is about, really. That's really what it's about. So we have this going on. And even though at the present moment we're talking about it on such a minuscule scale, well, we should have a red flag law. It's really just the tip of the iceberg. Because underneath is all of this other stuff that really determines the fate of the United States and then the fate of Earth. If the United States fails in this, so does Earth. Now you could say, well, but what about the European Union and all those other countries? And the fact of the matter is they're, they're a century and a half behind us on these very same ideas. They're, they've moved not only into socialism, but they have a, a system that ends up with the socialism becoming a forced method of swallowing up what used to be individual countries. Uh, that's the European model, of course. But And then for the rest of the world, it's at various levels of violence and uh, extreme levels of... Uh, will say, uh, power used to destroy. Now, I, I, I believe the United States is also developing weapons that are unique and quite different than anything we've used before. And these weapons could uh, win a war in less than a day with very few casualties. Um, and I think I've got a pretty good idea of what some of them are like. I don't want to give too much away about what they might be. But those weapons in and of themselves are not going to solve the problem. But they will limit the problem from becoming the world coming into us and trying to control us. It doesn't solve our internal problems. Evil is still on the march. It's still trying to take us over internally. But it certainly, through the Trump effect and other people he's put in office, uh, is moving in the direction that the United States, if it goes bad, is going to go bad on its own and completely divorced from the rest of the world. The rest of the world may completely fail in itself. But that's because it leans and has a strong tendency towards socialism. 
And as a socialism of, we'll call it, um, hidden measures, as is used in the European Union, and not so hidden in the Far East, and uh, we'll say abused in the Mideast, we have a, a very odd circumstance because most of the world is using some form of evil in its governance and is connected to giving up freedom for some nonsensical rationalization of why government is the answer. We are not like that, but that doesn't mean we will win this battle. We'll see. It's up to the United States to win, not these other countries because they're too weak and they've already pretty much failed. I mean, you can't look anywhere. Now, I know some people say, well, what about Brexit and England? Well, the good news is they actually might become a partner with the United States and might actually choose to get rid of the more severe problems with the European Union, etc. But it's taken them, like, how many years to get there? Uh, you know... Way more than five years they've been trying. They put a person in office who everybody in their everybody that had any any thought at all realized was on the other side of the question. She had no intention of of leaving the European Union. She was just trying to figure out some way how she can convince everybody else not to. And she spent three and a half years trying it. So finally they booted her out. Okay. But that doesn't solve the problem necessarily. There's a long, long road from where getting rid of getting rid of the European Union controlling it and being able to become really free. Big difference. European Union was nothing more than a symptom of fear of being free and being free by being connected to God. Remember, only the United States and a few copycats that are very small countries uh, has ever adopted the idea that the rights of all people in the United States come from God. And if you read the Constitution, of course, it starts off that way. And the Declaration of Independence was a statement, more or less, of that. And so you have a consistency there that this is the way it has been for since its actual official inception. But there are times when it has gone away and other times when it has become very strong. And let's hope that we're moving towards the very strong time. <laughs> I'm doing what I can. Uh, we have plans. Uh, I want to talk about this for a minute or two or ten or whatever. We have plans to adopt things that will help people 
move in the direction of understanding a universe created by a god and what that actually, how it operates, you know, what the whole principles are, etc. And we're doing it not just narratively, although that's one way. We're doing it with some level of entertainment in some parts of what we're doing, and we're doing it in many parts that are scientific, including quite difficult mathematical stuff. Now, the odd part about it is the math will prove the value and truth and use of that machine I talked about that would be in the middle world. But we're going to hold back a couple of things, which I'll make sure are not published, for at least, uh, well, I don't know how long. We'll see. But it's not going to come out right away. So there'll be a few things we will withhold. And people will not be able to figure it out, I don't think, because um, it requires a consciousness that is already operating beyond the level that we're talking about. And very few people have that level of consciousness to be able to create anything in that realm. So that's our safeguard. But no, we're not going to publish a how-to book <laughs> on how to build one of these things with mathematical formula included. You know, that would absolutely be stupid. And very dangerous. So we are going, we already have decided as a group, we're going to be very, very careful about how we proceed in every step of this journey that we're on to help lead this country and eventually the world into a better place. Uh, but we're being guarded because of everything I'm talking about in tonight's show. You have to be. Every, the idea that that knowledge is the answer to everything is is absolutely not. Anybody that looks at history knows that 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 never proved out to be true. Sometimes more knowledge has only led to the worst kinds of atrocities. So you have to be careful. Knowledge in and of itself isn't terrible. It's depending upon how you use it. Right? All right. So we operate this way. I, I, my point of this discussion right now, the last thing I just said, is we actually, it isn't that we're, I'm just teaching this this way tonight. We actually operate this way. That is our creed. This is the, we're using what I'm talking about with you tonight already. We're, it's part of what we do. And so that's a very good thing because someday, I don't think it's going to be the near future, but someday people may look back on us and say, well, they were able to do it, so maybe we can do it. So you see, we could become a, a living, or if we're still alive, example of how to do it. And even if we're not alive, we could still be an example, right? At least not alive physically. So this, to me, is... It's, it's a wondrous time, but it's also, it has a lot of, you know, those these things could go bad. So that's the reason we're working so hard to try to do it right. Now, I'm going to tell you, we are attacked by evil more than you could ever imagine. 
ever, ever imagined. The things that we deal with, it's, it's incredibly, almost impossible to, to describe because it would scare people to death. It's, just, it's a terrible thing. And we're not talking about people just, you know, throwing rocks at us or something. They're like throwing atom bombs. They're like throwing the biggest of the big, you know, at, at levels and doing things that are just unimaginable. But we're, we're able to so far handle it. We'll see. And the future, uh, the future's not written. So we don't know. We'll see where that goes to. But we have some assistance from the next kingdom, and we have some uh, of our own ideas, which are very, very good, I think, but they haven't all been put into practice. We, our biggest problem, and if you're one of the people who could be of help, we need people to work with us. I mean, no, you don't have to be a super mathematician, but if you happen to be, it would be good to call us. Uh, but we need just people that, that can do some construction things that we have to build very special kinds of things that we would have to teach you about and help get you up to speed about. And if you have any skills like that, we need you. And if you're not here, but you're willing to commit to come here for a year and work work with us, great. Don't come here for a week or two and say, well, I can, you know, that, that will, by the time we even explain it to you, it would be a month or two. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand you what you're doing before you leave. And that would do it. It'd be a waste of time, but if you if you, if you have a, if you can commit to a, a year's time, um, and don't mind some of the hot times in Phoenix, which is very warm right now, but hey, the winters are wonderful. You know, really pretty good, and it doesn't rain very often. So I mean, it's it's got its pluses and stuff. Very inexpensive place to live, but. Again, you don't get paid as much. So when people come here, you know, they oftentimes could be working for half of what they might have been making in an eastern state. The expenses of living here are about that. So the difference is pretty close to being the same. But some people don't see it that way. And if you're sending money to other people in another part of the country, it may not work at all for you. But coming here is is not so bad. And if you so if you're listening to me and you live someplace else context we really do need people and if you really have a lot of different kinds of skills it's great because we will probably use everything you got and more and you get to really experience some of the stuff that i'm telling you about but this would be firsthand now and that's a really neat thing to actually be directly involved in some of the most fascinating the most the most advanced the most everything you could imagine things that are going on anywhere on planet Earth. I mean, this is pretty cool stuff. So I encourage. And you just you just uh, go to wherever we are on the, on the Internet and you send a message or whatever. Uh, you can't really just call me direct because I don't usually answer anything. <laughs> I'm too busy doing other stuff or whatever. But there's always somebody who will, will get back with you, always. And if you say what specifically, you, you can, you know, you're thinking about doing, then that would be helpful. So tell us what you got, and we'll see if we can make it all work out. It'd be great. Anyways, go back to the rest of tonight's show. So if we're solving a problem of violence, what we're really solving is a problem of evil. 
the idea of using the word violence is only a um, a standard for the truth. Evil wants to be hidden because it only can win when the rest of the people it's trying to control don't believe it exists or don't don't worry about it if it does. They don't they just don't they don't care. They don't concern themselves. But most of them just don't believe it. Those are the ones they're looking for. So if you don't believe that evil exists, you're in danger. The danger is that invariably you'll end up being manipulated, controlled, and eventually you will lose all of your freedom. All of it. You'll become a slave. If you're lucky and you don't get killed all day. Those are bad outcomes and you can avoid them. Now, if you're an individual, it's better you find other people who think and feel the same way to preserve your rights and etc. and get them to listen to tonight's show if they didn't have a chance to do that and talk about it with them. Yeah, you can call us. We'll, we'll help if possible. We'll help. Uh, there's lots of ways to get rid of the problem of violence. If you're living with it in your family or your friends um, and you're still confused and afraid and don't know what to do, you can call us. I don't want to say that we're going to be able to help everybody that calls because in some circumstances they need as much legal assistance and other things and medical assistance that we can't do from where we are. And we're not really here designed for that purpose. But we might be able to direct you to people who can. And I would say, if you are in these ter- one of these terrible circumstances, uh, give us a call. We'll try to be of some help in some way. We don't want people becoming evil. <laughs> we don't want people becoming victims of evil. And we want to stop this thing. So let's all work on it together. And remember that this is solvable. This is not like if you listen to the crazy news, you would think that everything is absolutely not solvable unless you put in three Hitlers and whoever else that wants to control every part of your life. And those are the people that are going to save us. The most evil beings in the world are going to save us. If you're willing to give up your soul, I can promise you, you won't be murdered. How's that? Just a small thing, right? All right. Let's talk about the soul issue. Most people do not value their own soul. They don't put a, like a, this is the most important thing to me, is how I act and function as my soul. The soul doesn't go away if you don't believe in it, but it doesn't function in your life. In order to get your soul to function, 
it, you have to believe in God. That's there's no way I know of that's around that. But also, you can test it. You can go to Life City Meeting, that book that I wrote, and you can look up how you can connect with your soul better. And the soul is another way that you can solve a problem without a computer, without any of those other gadgets or anything, if you become more of your soul. Now, souls are always trying to serve others. They're never trying to take from or remove good things from other people. That, that isn't what souls do. And they are open-minded beyond the largest definition of the word. Open-mindedness means that you are open to the fact that other people think differently than you and may be more correct in some elements of what they think. That's a soul position. You need to have that position to function as a soul. Seems simple actually if you think about it. But a lot of people don't even come to that reality. And some people don't believe that souls exist. They don't believe God exists, etc. Again, I refer you to all the shows I've done and maybe to reading some of the stuff I've written. Now, if you are at the point where you say, well, I want to really make a difference. I don't want to just solve this problem for myself or the people that are friends. With me. I want to make a real difference. What can I do? Well, then the best thing you can do is to start living your life as a soul and not as a human self slash personality or subconscious self. Um, living your life as a soul, which is all defined in the shows I've done and books I've done, if you live your life as a soul, you never have to worry about the problem of violence. Because souls, by their nature, are not only nonviolent, they will stand up to violence and they will protect anyone and everyone from the menacing, the evil of it. Souls are the antithesis of evil and they will stand against violence for the sake which we know is of evil in the situations that we're presently dealing with in the United States. Now, there's some circumstances where violence happens in wars. It's a, it's a whole different kind of thing. I'm talking about the violence that we're having today in this country and throughout the world in some parts. So that's the sort of thing. And it's a lot related to guns, but it's not really a gun problem as much as it is an evil and violent problem. So becoming a soul is different than what I talked about in the first part of the show. It's about really becoming something greater than a human. And we have, almost all human beings have a soul. 
there's a very few number who don't. They're evil. But almost all have them. So what you want to do is cultivate the contact between yourself and your soul. But you can only have contact with your soul while you're acting as a soul, which is in the process of giving to others that which they need to be given themselves. So if you live your life in that, we'll say, venue, you then have the opportunity to fight violence, to stop violence, to help many, 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 many other people do the same thing, and to be an example, a living example, of being a soul. There vast amount of information lies in me about how to do that. And I've done quite a few so shows, so you can go to those too and look them up. So there's lots of opportunities. And if you're actively involved in it and you're having some problem with certain one thing or another, you can call us. We certainly will help souls. Sometimes we find it's not possible to help people who are acting more as personality self, little selves, because they're not really responsive to what we do. And the things they're looking for is to take and get something rather than to be a service to us. But souls, we, we will co-op with souls all the time because we're all on the same page. We're all here to be of spiritual service to everyone else to help them do the same. And that's the difference. So if that's where you're coming from, or that's where you want to come from, you're also going to simultaneously solve your problem with violence. But it's a big change. It's not the little changes that I was talking about in the beginning of the show. This is a gigantic change. It may be very difficult for some people to, to grasp and do. But if that's the if that's the approach you take, I can tell you this, you won't have a problem with violence anymore. <laughs> you may have a lot of other kinds of crazy things going on. But that, that problem will not be a problem. Now, that's partly because you will always be way ahead of a potential violent circumstance. Souls see so far ahead that long before the circumstance turns violent, they have already operated well beyond it and have circumvented and solved it in some way. I mean, talking in generalities right now, but nonetheless, it's giving the point. And that's what the blessing of being a soul incorporates, is that you live a life that is uh, super real. I mean, it's way more than what almost all other people are living. They're not living like that. So the meaning in life shifts from a personal selfish life to a totally non-selfish, totally non-personal, soul-driven life that is about co-service with other souls to help everybody else be the best service they can to everybody else. Wow. Talk about paying it forward. That's a big deal. 
And that's the reason it's so effective, is because it just it just touches vast numbers of people very quickly. It isn't the slow, grueling, well, let's try this and make this little change and get that to change the thing, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up. I want to talk about there's a number of these, we'll call them businesses, companies, that are trying to control the media, that are putting out a lot of information that is, at best, untrue. In most cases, is manipulative in attempts to create evil outcomes. And you might say, well, why are they doing it? What is, what is the background that's causing this to happen? And they're also feeding violence. I, I, I didn't finish that statement, I should have. But the, the answer is almost always the same. Uh, the more power you gain without believing in God, the more you move towards the dark side. That is a truism. So I'll say it again, just so you got it. <laughs> okay. The more power you have over what other people are doing, whatever it is, whatever kind of power it is, and the more you do it for reasons for your self-gain, selfishness, whatever, or just to be powerful, and, and you don't do it to preserve and serve God, that's the dark side. And there are a lot of media companies that have moved into that space, that place. What's going to happen to them? Well, that's kind of interesting. They may get broken up if they're really big, but the point is that what the ultimate goal is that they rely upon people finding them by rejecting God. So if enough people reject them and accept God, their whole business falls apart because it's based upon the opposite. Now you could say, well, but couldn't they then just push the God thing? Well, they could. I'm not saying they couldn't. But they won't. And so they will just vanish. They will their businesses will fail over time, time being a decade or so from now. And they're going to be facing cruel, if not even highly reactive against them, approaches because they're attempting to manipulate and control people for the sake of darkness. Because they believe in power and control, they, which is the dark side, they don't believe in God. As a matter of fact, some of them are downright hostile towards the idea of God. And they make that new. And yet people still participate in this. Now, let me say, if you have anything to do with these companies, the best thing you can do is stop. Just don't use them, period, at all, stop using them, because the companies are bad news, and that's what they are, bad news, they're, they pretend to be news companies, but they're not, 
They're propagandists. They're trying to convert people into becoming victims of their control. Wow. Now, if you think that I'm wrong about this, that's okay. I, I'm not telling you that you have to quit them, you know. But I want to warn you that there is going to be a very, very, very high cost in spiritual terms. Not the government's not going to come and do anything significant to you. Nobody else is probably going to do anything to you. But there's a tremendous cost in terms of your own soul and the disconnection these companies cause in people. They cause it to happen because that's their agenda. So you're going to really lose connection with your soul, and that price is huge. And to get it back could take lifetimes. So I want you to think about that. We're running out of time, but I want you to think about that, because that's a very serious issue. And believe it or not, it still plays into the question of violence. Some of these companies actually promote physical violence. They actually are involved with them. They know about them. They pay people. They have part of their thing is to pay people to be physically violent. Terrible stuff. Really, really bad. Okay. Well, we are, we're at that point. Yeah. The show is just about gone. I want you to think about this. That of all the things that I said tonight, if you go back and you re-listen to the show, which I do suggest you do because I cover a lot of stuff, think about it in terms of what you, as a person and, and part of this country, really want to be the future. What do you want for your future, your children's future, and all the people you love and care about, and even the people you don't like? What do you want? And is what you're doing, and what you claim, and what you feel in accord with all of that? Let that be a kind of a guidepost. And I would re-listen to tonight's show when you have a chance, because I said a lot of stuff, and some of it might be lost over the time of the show. You may want to go back and read this. And you can do this. It's easy. The show is posted and it'll be up in a day or two. You can read this and hold it if you want. Okay, well, we're out of time for right now. I hope you found this show interesting and helpful. Again, I've done, I've done it, so to speak, before. Until next week, this has been Niles McClellan for Wildlife Fish.